Well, hello, 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 everyone to in Abbotsford and the surrounding area listening to us live. It is 1 o'clock here on Civil 101.7 FM, broadcasting on the UFV campus in Abbotsford on the unceded traditional territory of the Stalo people. It's post-F1 race weekend, so that means that there's an episode of the F-World here, as always. Um, Taryn Midzane, your host, and I'm joined with a long-time long guest, but been a, been a bit of a hiatus... Uh, Walter Foreman, Associate Director of the International Relations Department here at the University of the Fraser Valley. Walter, oh my gosh, it's good to be back with you. Well, thank you. It's good to be back. You're right. It has been a while. Uh, just, you know, busy, but uh, always tuning in to what I can hear up on uh, Spotify there. So if people there do want to tune into the F World online, they can do that. How do they do that? Well, you just find us. You, you just said it right there. You put <laughs> open up your Spotify, hopefully soon to have Apple Apple podcasts up, but Apple's always a little bit more pretentious of themselves. So look up Spotify, just type in the F world, and it's usually one, actually starting to get to be one of the first few things that pops up now. So I'm kind of happy with that. Um, actually, funny enough, Walter, we just hit 250 downloads. Oh, nice. So well, on, and, Good and, for us. There we go. Uh, and then you can also just find us on Twitter and Instagram at the F world underscore pod on Twitter and F world underscore, uh, so the F world dot pod on Instagram. Uh, Walter, we are sans mariange uh, today, but we do have another guest with us, a uh, good friend of mine, but also uh, he's, an, he's an English professor here at the University of Fraser Valley. I uh, had a couple classes with him and always ha- had a good talks with him about um, just really life, comic books, theories, literature, all that. And then he has also been watching Drive to Survive and has some thoughts on F1. I convinced him to, jo- to join the F- to F1, but he's here today with us. Ron Sweeney, welcome, welcome to have, nice to have you here. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. I'm here representing the uh, amateur viewpoint, <laughs> the, the new fan perspective. And uh, yeah, if you're looking for classes in the fall, I'm teaching comics again. And uh, as Taryn will uh, advertise for me, it's a great course. It's a very fun one. I usually have a, we always always have a good laugh in there. Um, really, really. We've changed my perspective of things and, and stuff. But anyways, yeah, fan, you're 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 the newer person uh, to to the to the sport. But I always have a lot of fun topics with you. When I, whenever we actually get a chance to catch up, we uh, always have fun times. But Silverstone, just guys, quick thoughts on Silverstone. Where where do, where do we start? Because there was, like, I mean, I guess I can start right away. I was not expecting uh, a McLaren podium, mm-hmm. even with a even with a P two P three qualifying session i was expecting them to drop out as usually cars that aren't uh uh, that aren't verstappen or maybe aston martin do but no norris drove it really pretty well got a p2 finish and then uh followed by hamilton and of course as we all know max verstappen p1 so yeah he uh max did win although he didn't lead every lap so that was new and a change i suppose uh i I share your sentiment there taryn that i was somewhat surprised not well not not totally surprised but i guess we had seen mclaren do well in qualifyings previously Mm -hmm. but then that didn't turn into race pace and so i thought well okay this is that situation again where they're gonna look strong in qualifying you know maybe they were running them a bit lighter with less fuel uh, in mm-hmm. practice or in it to look better because it's their home race after all, mm-hmm. uh, being the British Grand Prix. But uh, they had the race pace. Um, they did get that double or not not quite a double podium. It could have been, maybe even should have been, if if for a better uh, timing with the virtual safety car and the safety car for uh, Piastri. 
But nevertheless, yeah, um, double points finish, strong finish for the team. Mm-hmm. We took a commanding fifth place into the championship now and over top of Alpine. But well. yeah, I loved Norris going right after Verstappen right from the beginning. Yeah. So many people are just like defensive there. <laughs> and even though he knows he's probably not going to be able to hold that lead, just having him go right after there and say, like, we're here. Well, he's excellent. He did hold him for, you know, he got passed on lap five, but DRS was open at the beginning of lap three and held him off on, right. on a strong yep. DRS charge. It was, I think, I think I have a new, almost a new theory of um, you kind of need to let Max have DRS on you as long mm. as your teammate has DRS on Max. Okay. Because what held Max up before he passed Norris for three laps was Piastri Defending against attacking, Piastri. attacking yeah. him. And then yeah, finally when... One, as soon as Piastri got to the 1.1 second, yeah, Max took off and, and everything. But yeah, uh, as Lewis Hamilton co- said, it compared it to uh, that that MP60, which is the McLaren the McLaren Project's car, an absolute rocket ship. Uh, yeah, yesterday. everyone was saying it was quick, and I think Russell even said that on the radio uh, towards the end of the race when they went onto the hard tires for for um, Norris mm-hmm. and. It was interesting. I felt Norris was complaining about that choice, and he did it in a very sarcastic way. It really put me off. I'm congratulations to McLaren uh, for their success and their development of that car. Um, Norris, though, kind of sometimes rubs me the wrong way, just because he they put on the tires and he questioned the team's decision, and he did it very sarcastically and very snidely. And I'm just thinking, trust your team, you know, because um, he he said something to the fact of you know what tires is everyone else on. Yeah, and they're like softs, and he's like, "Oh, and we're in the hards, great." Yeah, you know, something of like so, that. Yeah, and then he also, but it was really funny because at the beginning, like when they were first asking him about tires, there, uh, I remember very distinctly throughout the race, they're like, "How how are the tires?" When he was on mediums, he's like, "I'm fine." Yeah, that's don't right. Change that, me. That was, I don't need to go. He early. was okay with there. I thought. Yeah, that was respectful. And and I think it was the safety car restart was when he kind of goes like, "Why is everyone else on on a, a softs and we're going on hards?" And I think really it was. Uh, I wonder if it was just they didn't have softs because they burned a lot of right, softs. Right, they wanted and, new tires. They yeah. didn't have new... They had softs, but not new softs. Uh, as it turns out, it was the right call, and that was my point. Even Russell said on the radio, man, that McLaren on hards is impressive. Yeah, so, they're overtaking well, yeah, and yeah. he can't, can't catch them. But yeah, I mean, at the, at the same time, though, to counter this, it was the right, cro- the, was the right call... Um, for what they wanted and got that strong P2 finish and good points. But would it have been better to go softs and challenge a lead off of a safety car restart? I, well, let's, let's, I, I got yeah. my thoughts, but let's bring our new, um, our yeah. new fan in, our new uh, guest here yeah, on the show, Ron. Ron. Yeah, your, your I, thoughts. I mean, it's always hard to know what the radio calls because they're, they always sound a little bit upset. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, I haven't liked Norris's, some of his public statements about, you know, where I'm just like, you can be gracious. You don't have to be the way you are. Like, yeah, I'm the Danny Ricardo thing. All you have to do is say, yeah, I feel sorry for the guy. And right. instead he's like, no, I don't feel sorry for yep. him. Like, why, why do you have to say that? Right? I like it's, Ron it's, already. It's, <laughs> <laughs> See, so, I like anyone making fun of Daniel Ricardo. Sometimes, okay. Every now and then. But no, I, fair I enough. But that. it's just like, you, you know, he just that some of that stuff, he's just. Yeah, and, not and gracious. Had they put him on softs, what do you do? You think that? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think if their plan was to attack Verstappen, then maybe they get an early pass, but Verstappen's going to pass back, 
And Good point. then they're going to be vulnerable at the end of the race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think saving two, I didn't, I was surprised it worked. I thought Hamilton was absolutely going to get by, but. Especially on softs and. and yeah. And despite the the W14 Mark II, as I call it, it was looking, Hamilton looked a little bit more racy than, than Russell did for a time. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought Hamilton would have had a, had a pass. But did then. you like the, uh, comment from brown about how it was nice to have fair racing with hamilton oh yeah 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 sure well, like zach brown can say whatever he wants when he's in the when he's doing well but then come on that's all i can say so, so. well what i found interesting about the tires was hamilton's softs at the end of the race definitely didn't go as long as they had hoped like he was mm-hmm. complaining and drivers always do but legitimately his rear tires were shot yeah. Before the race ended, like the softs were too soft at that point in the race. Yeah, they were about With, four laps old softs. Yeah. They, were, they were his qualifying, his right. Q3 um, qualifying softs. But Russell took his opening softs like 27 laps. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 f- I thought that was very odd. Like how could Russell get 27 laps into the softs at the start of the race when the track is not as rubbered in and the cars are heavy with fuel? But then at the end of the race, when Hamilton's light on fuel... And the track is rubbered in. The softs didn't go the distance. I think I think you hit it actually unknowingly right there. The track wasn't as rubbered in. It was cooler, mm. and it was it was cooler in the day. The cars cooled cooled down. The t- the brakes, all those wheel wells aren't, aren't nearly as hot. Maybe those tires aren't degrading as as fast. And I think that at the point where it's rubbered in, there's more traction in, and 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 almost kind of a, an opposite of what the pro- of what Mercedes problem was. Early in the year, where they had no power in the rear end, now they have a lot of power in the rear end, and the car and the tires just rip it apart. And Hamilton was in a position where he was really, really pushing those tires. Whereas um, there was a point where George was pushing heavily against Leclerc, then he, then he, then Leclerc went for a Ferrari pit yeah, stop, fair. and then he had like a lot of op- he had a lot of open air to just push and breeze and breeze by. But honestly, I think a lot of teams were shocked by how fat, how far those soft tires went. I was also surprised that not many went onto the softs pretty quickly after they saw how far they were going into. And some of them went to the hards when I was like, mm, you have softs still. Yeah, like science uh, on the hards and staying on them. I thought that was interesting. What was Ferrari doing? Well, I you have know no what? idea. We will get to Ferrari in a second. There's That is a, just asking that question, Ron, what is Ferrari doing? Listen. It's no a common theme here on the F world. <laughs> yeah. No one knows what Ferrari is doing to the point where I don't think the, their strategists know what Ferrari is doing. But well, we have evidence of that, so <laughs> we, that, we that's exactly true. We'll, but we'll definitely have to get, get to Ron. That later. I'm, I'm curious as a as a someone new to the sport or relatively new. Um, do you, can you appreciate a tire what the what the tires role in racing is? Because for, for a lot of outside observers. They just want the car to go fast, and they don't really maybe appreciate how much of that, I mean, really a lot of it is down to the tire. Yeah, in previous times in trying to get into racing, like, you know, flipping on a race, like, that's the problem. And that's why I credit Drive to Survive for, like, introducing some of these, like, the races, like, that it's not just about who wins and it's not just about who's fastest, that you think about all of these decisions that go into the that go into the race right so which tires to put on when to put them on and exactly. how to manage them too as a driver yeah mm-hmm. right because you're watching and you're just like why are these people not trying to pass and you know or what's going on yeah with 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 this race and so you know that sort of like it's not a particularly easy sport just to jump in and you're flip right. on a race on a sunday yeah and and 
get a sense of what's happening. Yeah. But, you know, so I think there's other sports that didn't need something like Drive to Survive nearly as much. But it really, like for F1, it really taught people uh, initially how to watch the sport mm-hmm. yep. and that you could care about a race for eighth or ninth place. And that these things, like, like I'm always like impressed, like these drivers. If they're in 17th, they want to finish 16th. Yeah. Right. They don't care that there's right. no points. They yeah. want, sure. like, they're always racing no matter what. And, you know, it, you know mm-hmm. that's what's, you know, so you're, you're watching races 15th, 16th, 17th, so, and that makes it interesting. So talking about 15th, 16th, 17th, and so on, you must be a DeVries fan then. <laughs> Yeah, who is wah, your who wah, who, wah. who is your driver? I, because when when we talk, I you always seem a, to be able to. I have Hamilton. I okay. I like Hamilton. Okay. I mean, We're good I, friends. I was definitely that's, that's Taryn's uh, that choice as well. The, the go to coming coming into that. I mean, um, hard to argue with seven world championships and 195 yeah. podiums and 100 yep. and how many wins now? Four. Oh, that's so many. I, I I don't even know what I should know this off my heart, but I I don't look. The, them there's up. more coming. I, I'm sure there's. I more hope coming. you're right. I hope you're right. Yeah, yeah. Me too. No, I mean, but I think Lewis is always a good jumping point in for everyone. Like, I'm not—I don't mean to to, to degrade what you're saying, but why he's your guy. But I think just when you come into the sport, he's such a recognizable name that is always like I'm a Lewis Hamilton fan. Mm-hmm. But I think that just when you actually get to watch, even drive to survive, and you watch the races, then you ever think everyone just realizes why they like. Ever, I think everyone likes Lewis Hamilton to a point, unless you've grown up learning to hate him as you <laughs> as, as you as you came into the sport, and you're just a Fernando Alonso fan. Sure, <laughs> for, for all that. But uh, after yeah. after Lewis, though, who would you go? Who like which was driver? I mean, if, I like not, different if, drivers. Like I yeah. like watching Albon. I like like I feel like he didn't get yep. a fair shot, and so I like seeing him get get results. Yeah, um, I'm I'm the same way. I don't have strong favorites. I just like the sport. I like the races. I like to see what's going on. It sounds um, maybe a bit similar in your case, yeah. Ron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to be a bit different. Like I, I, I'm very <laughs> much like I have my favorites. Sure. I have my favorites for a reason. But I also just love the sport. I, I don't think there's really any. I think the on the grid now, the only driver I do not like is Kevin Magnuson. Okay, he's the only one that I'm like. You know what? You can get rid of him. I'm not going to be like, oh no. I'm going to might cheer for it, but other than that. I think I think I think they're all great. I think it was one of the things that Drive to Survive did really well was showcase uh, one of the reasons to like the sport, which is the cast of characters that are around the sport in general, not just the drivers, but the team principals and sure. even just. And so, yeah, I think that the first two seasons, especially, are very very strong with that. So like that. again, Ron, being new to the sport, are you familiar with the name Kimi Raikkonen? I'm familiar, but I wouldn't know too much. All right. I'll just say YouTube them. Because yeah. for me, as soon as Taryn said cast of characters, I think in, in modern memory, he's one of the most memorable characters in F1. Yeah. The the famous, what do you want from your team this race, Kimmy, after qualifying? He goes like, I don't want them to talk to me. Like I, I only want them to tell me when my tires need to box and don't talk to me. And then they talk to him in the race. And he's like, you're talking to me. Please don't. Yeah, <laughs> let me just race. <laughs> he's, he's Finnish, and he has that very stereotypical Finnish personality. And uh, his nickname was the Iceman for that reason. Very stoic, very funny though. And if you you read stories of him and people who knew him, he'd open up. Very funny guy. Very good racer. Obviously, world champion for Ferrari. Um, so there's a bit of a historical outlook for yeah, you. Yeah, one of the That's last world champions for Ferrari. I think. Uh, I think the last. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. But segueing back to Silverstone, I, I kind of want to uh, speaking of. Ferrari and drivers and and going and 
tying in Fernando Alonso. McLaren, again. Let's go back to McLaren uh, for, for a second here. Um, I, I wanted to, like, they're, clearly their upgrades are working. And I think, that, you know, Ron, before we before we recorded, you, you had a question of, like, why, if, if Max Verstappen's always winning, how come, what's so fun about, well, not so much how come, but what was really fun about this season? And I think the answer is really just is, is upgrades, people. Upgrades. Because you're really starting to see... Uh, and and I've and I have been pretty vocal against the ground effect cars more recently, but we're starting to see the the aerodynamic trend, the upgrade trend, and and we're kind of seeing technology work. Uh, you look at um, even just before, even looking at uh, the this is Austria, yeah. So this is uh, the Austrian Grand Prix where Norris comes in P four, and then you look in even in Canada before the their um, the upgrades, Norris is in P thirteen, and it's significantly behind in, in in that after that that top five the drop off from the top five down is just so significant and then austria where more people come in to upgrade specifically mclaren the upgrades are really working and you really start to see the team's development paths take place and yeah like what, what can we say about these 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 mclaren upgrades other than obviously they're working but is it nice to have the mclarens back kind of in a, in a scrappy Sure. I mean, why not? They're a historic team, although they're still only are in fifth. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, I had the very knee-jerk reaction to seeing the results from Silverstone, Silverstone this year and thinking back to last year when Carlos Sainz won Silverstone, which almost nobody seems to talk about. It didn't show yeah. up in Drive to Survive. Very few people talked about it on, uh, at least that I heard on, during the race this year. They mentioned it maybe once. But I, I quickly drew the comparison. I'm like, oh, I wonder if Carlos wishes he was back at McLaren. Uh, but no, because no. Ferrari's not having a great year, but they're still ahead of McLaren in the championship. Yeah, by like 100 points. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> actually exactly think, 98. And that's, <laughs> honestly, it surprised me to see that Ferrari had that many points given how many stra strategic errors they've made. But it, I guess it just shows you how bad the McLaren car was at the start of the year, which brings back to your point, the upgrades. Uh, definitely they're getting somewhere, but... The problem with that, you spend all your time and money trying to fix a broken car this season, you're taking away time and resources from next season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's, I guess that's... That's my question then, which is that, I mean, earlier in the year, you said, yeah, Red Bull's got this locked up till 2026. Hmm. And that's where, as a new fan, you're like, okay, if I already know not only that Max is going <laughs> to win this year, but that Max is going to win the next two years... Yeah. Then, you know, and I know there's like a, a Reddit that's like, you know, F1 without Max. And mm -hmm. it's quite a competitive like scene there. Mm -hmm. um, I do think there's reason to think they're getting closer. But obviously the championships decided and it's just a, with all the different teams taking turns as being the second strongest team. That just seems to push Red Bull, you know, even further out of reach. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know. Max Verstappen alone in the driver standings has 255 points and the constructors Mercedes has 203. Right, yeah. So if Max, Max was a team. Yeah, he, he, well, he is. Right. Realistically, yeah. if you look at Perez and everything, he totally is the team. Um, it's sort of always, not always, but, but modern Formula One is very much that way. We saw dominance with Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton for seven consecutive years. And, and people say, some people say it's bad for the sport. 
But truly, I don't think so. I think the real fans uh, will still appreciate the other battles. You already referred to them. Yep. Racing drivers, if they're in 17th, they want to finish in 16th, and they'll do what they can to get there. And the teams are the same way. They're going to spend all the resources, sometimes more than their resources, to try to improve those cars. And so, although I get it when people say, oh, it's boring and it's bad for the sport when you have that dominance, it's always been there. Schumacher dominated at Ferrari. Hamilton dominated at Mercedes. Vettel dominated at Red Bull. Now Max is dominating at Red Bull. There's always a clearly stronger car, team, driver combination, but yet the sport goes on. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that it's always the job for the other teams and drivers to catch up because it's 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 a racing, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a technolo- <laughs> yes. it's a technologic tech technologically driven sport. Yeah, we can say that. I was going to say technologically driven arms race in a way. <laughs> okay, um, quite quite literally. And I think that's kind of like that's that's really the core and spirit of the sport. I think mm-hmm. is that um, it is about being the dominant car. And it's not even necessarily about being the dominant number one, but you also want to be the definitive fifth best team. Or you, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're in five, you do not want someone to come near fifth place to you. So well, McLaren just wants to capitalize on yeah, those. Yeah, and there's know. significant money involved yeah. as well. Like even the the difference between fourth and fifth and sixth in the constructors championship is is significant, like millions of dollars. You think of like 2021 and why it's not just about when people are like, well, it, it's just Max and Lewis. And like that's the whole point is that it got turned into very much a Max versus Lewis thing. Whereas McLaren, I think like just, just an example, McLaren lost like $20 million because they weren't able to unlap themselves and finish in a, in the, in a points finish that would have given them, um, I think it was like they would have they would have gotten fourth. In yeah, the I don't recall what the position was, but they were that very small number of points away from the next position, yeah. which would have paid them millions. Yeah, like Alpine Renault, I think finished fourth, and then McLaren finished fifth behind them, and then that and that like completely changed how much. Yeah, uh, millions, and then even just like, you know Williams yeah. finishing currently right now in seventh. So if Williams finishes seventh versus ninth, then that's significant. Yeah, yeah. and. And so, that, so as a new fan, yeah. how do you find that? Knowing well, Max is going to win, uh, does that affect your in- interest in the race? I mean, the thing is, is that a lot of people switched o- or got converted into watching the races. Like for me, my brother told me to watch, start watching the show. I was like, racing? No, thanks. <laughs> said, no, just try it. <laughs> yeah. So I was like that. So first I was like, okay, I'll watch the show, but I'm not going to watch the races. But there was a, you know, there was a really interesting season at the time. And so I was like. I'm going to watch, I'll watch one race. I'll try it out. Right. And then I was like, okay, fine. I'll watch the races, but I'm not going to watch qualifying and practices. And then (laughs) soon enough, there I was waking up at 6 a.m. Netflix DTS is a gateway drug. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But so a lot of people got converted into F1 right in the middle of some really interesting seasons. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so now to me, I think, yeah, it is bad if, if, if the other teams can't catch up or have no hope of competing for the next few years, I do think that that is a bit of a problem. Okay, mm-hmm. fair. I think that the thing for Red Bull that that is is that Max seems to be very clearly the best driver in the best car. Yep. Right, and so it doesn't feel as much over the last few races that it's just the car is so much better. It's that it matches up so perfectly with Max. Mm, that's a good point. And spent, well, the Red Bull has been, uh, to put that some in context with that, Red Bull has spent pretty much since 2011 with Max. 
he like they he was a student driver with them he was his dad has a lot of like history with that team and and with you know in the austrian backgrounds and the, and the dutch being involved with that to put money into it at times where um you didn't have uh, a budget cap for instance and so and, and max came in they found a loophole to bring him in early um in 2015-16 so they have spent so much time just developing max to where he and learning how he wants to drive to build him that car and that's kind of the reason why i think it's so cool to see the dominance is you really start to see this amalgamation of all this time they have spent with this driver and given him the best tool that he could do it's it's like walter already says it's excellence it's great to see excellence but i guess my question for you then uh ron do you like the new rules of the budget caps and certain certain parts and pieces are are universally given no to interest. cars you don't have you don't know okay <laughs> the, well, the I mean, rules, you know like, like questions like no i mean it's <laughs> that you know mercedes has said a few times like listen if it wasn't for budget cap we would have just built a new chassis by now right right like yeah. we would have so i mean it's certainly holding the richer teams back the question is is the whole if the goal is to have um if the goal of, of all these rules like reduced wind tunnel time all these sorts of things that they say are to make competitive racing if red bull runs the table then do we think that that system has then failed yeah and that it needs to be changed it's a very good way? question did um, you did you before yeah, yeah to, no tie, to tie this into it did you either of you hear the lewis hamilton radical change about uh development windows it logistically essentially couldn't no. happen in the sport, but he was just saying like there should maybe there should be a rule where there are certain either development windows of time where you can develop for next year's car, or a really big way that we can w- watch when people w- in which budgets they're taking the money from mm. to develop the car. Mm. Realistically, in my opinion, there's no real way you could do that without heavily policing someone, without having a representative of FIA police yeah, just sure. sitting there sure. watching everything happen, which no one wants that. Um, but thoughts on because it all ties together. So, like, what are you, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on those ideas. Well, I'm I you know F1 its motto is the pinnacle of motorsport, and that's what I want to see. And if you're having these artificial, arbit- relatively arbitrary, certainly artificial limits imposed upon teams, then are you really seeing the best that's possible? And I'd, I'd argue no. But then the flip side of that, and I get it, is you won't see the smaller teams competing with it. becomes a, a, an arms race, as you said earlier, Taryn, and it's who has the deepest pockets. But at the end of the day, if a company is willing to, you know, Ferrari back in the day, like back in the day, 20 years ago, their budget was half a billion dollars. 20 years ago. <laughs> that's not even That's like a billion ago. dollars probably to, in today's <laughs> money. If they're willing to invest that amount of money, uh, in the in in the sport, in the vehicle, in their drivers, in everything else, I'm game. Yeah, I mean, instead of possibly a hard cap, yeah, I mean, I I in cross sports leagues, I don't like hard caps, mm. right? I think soft Same. caps are the way to go. Like the way the NBA does it, where it's like, yep. yeah, okay. I mean, I don't like in MLB where the, you have poverty franchises that just live off of the money that they get from the Yankees. Like, mm. I think there's that's not good for sports either. Sure. But I think the hard cap ends up, you know, doing some weird things. And I, you know, I don't follow it too closely in F1 other than, you know, the whole, like, how much 
tricky accounting like do we want this exactly. board to be yeah. about tricky accounting? exactly you're yeah. taking away from the action on the track to pay accountants to be better and it's going to be the pinnacle of accounting yeah <laughs> yeah that's a good <laughs> trying to find yeah. that uh yeah this, this is the catering budget we can we can squeeze in and mm. out of yeah no. but i will say this i i think the, and i don't know if it's down to purely the cost cap but i i suspect it's in tandem with the regulation changes there is better racing. Yes, Red Bull and Adrian Newey knocked another one out of the park, and I think especially Newey. But the midfield is much tighter. Uh, you see the gap between you know the, the podium finishers much closer. So I think the racing is better. I think the on-track action is better. And I think we are seeing improvements uh, over, say, 10 years ago where you still knew who was going to win, but they just won like massively as well. So now yeah. you see more... More, more than midfield battle. Yeah, it really yeah I think it's sense. close. Yeah. I mean, I think like the fact that that their Perez isn't simply carving through the field with his uh, yeah, after Perez, his terrible qualifying. There's says another that it's story. Not. What's going on with him? Right? Holy cow! <laughs> oh my gosh! Right. Yeah. So it's that's why I'm sort of saying so, it makes Max look. Yeah. His just shows how impressive his his performance is. You know, it's not unprecedented in F1 to swap chassis to let the second driver drive the first driver's chassis it's not unprecedented yeah it's not common <laughs> but it's not unprecedented yeah and i i, I, I want to see that i want to see max in perez's car and i want to see perez in max's car yeah well i think i think this year there's because so, that would settle so the close. argument i think i think this year there are i think most chassis in the last in this like kind of last era are pretty pretty like on but bar. Look what look what Perez yeah. is doing though. He's not qualifying and he's not cutting through the field anymore either. I mean he is a little bit, but not. But but if, other, if, but if other that teams car's are, as fast as Max's, then he should be in second every time. But other but other teams have upgraded too, and um and I think that like because following in these cars is still pretty hard. Yeah, I think it's not that, as good as it has been the last e- couple of years. Yeah, yeah, and 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 everything. It's kind of funny because like everything that. Uh, they want it out of the ground effect era seems to work as long as you're in P one, two, and three, <laughs> and then everything else you just get stuck in DRS trains and dirty, yeah. dirty, dirty air, and you mm. just can't back it up. And I'm not trying to defend Paris because he does have a car for him to cut and get into P two. There's no, the I completely agree. No reason why. And he he was at the beginning of the season he was winning, mm-hmm. although is when Max had tranny prop transmission problems yeah. or other things. But now he's, awesome. he's just not. He doesn't seem like the same guy. I I don't know what it is. It is. But. It is. A, it is a. Uh, 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 as uh, Christian Horner likes to say, it is kind of a head f world to to be Max Verstappen's teammate because <laughs> nice. he's just so good. Uh, Ron, have you been watching the season from the start? Yes. Okay. So, yeah. what are your thoughts? I mean, you've seen Perez winning I, the first two out of four races. I think it was. Yeah. So I mean, bad. right as soon as he he was saying like I can compete, all of a sudden he couldn't even get out of qualifying. Yeah. Like, exactly. So that's where I'm like, is this? A, is it his car or is it his head? And I, you know, I don't know. Where would you put your money if you had to? I I would have to put it on his head. Yeah, I, me too. I, mean, I think yeah, me the too. mistakes he made were not like, you know, it's not somebody messing with his car. It's just mistakes in qualifying. Yeah, there there can be instances where it is the car, but we're seeing it so regularly now that I, I don't think that can be the case. Yeah. yeah. Well... Speaking of craziness, conspiracy theories, and um, things that just are not quite up to snuff, 
I do have a gift for the two of you here that I found. Some of the gems. What I love to do after each race, Walter, you know this. Ron, you don't. You know this because I tell you about it, but now you get to see it in action. I like to peruse the the race again about two or three times and find the gems of radio that we really truly. What makes the race? I you would probably agree now that you watch a lot of races. Really funny. Um, so we found this classic one that will that ties into the next topic that we that we will say, which is. And we are thinking of plan B, plan B. What was plan B? I forgot, I fixed that. Yeah, I'll let you know. I guess we just stick to our strategy. Uh, yes, no concern for the moment, Max. So, Ferrari being Ferrari, I guess is the best way to, to, to say it. Yeah. Not even none of their own. I'm, I'm, I know all the jokes that there's... There'll be times where like, they'll say, we're on plan A, and then the next lap goes by. Like, okay, we're going to go to plan E. Yeah, that was the joke yeah. at the start of the season, that they had planned like uh, double Z. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think, uh, what are they? <laughs> what, are, what are these plans? And what do they actually do? <laughs> well, for yeah. Ferrari, unfortunately, not much. Make them go backwards, as they yeah. did in Silverstone. You know, And it's funny that you brought up Last year, Silverstone being uh, Science's first and only yeah, win. His, right, his maiden victory. Yeah, which even, I think, like, looking it up just here now, too, you can just see the fact that even it doesn't look like Ferrari was even carrying because they only had five people on the pit walls cheering for him and like, yeah, congratulations. Of course, now we can't do that as much because of safety regulations oh, yeah, right. and that yeah. from the beginning of the year. But also just like you, you would expect that something would, uh, there'd be more to it. and And even just, Knowing that science is good on this, like, usually historically pretty good on this track, um, and you can see how hungry he was for another win in, in qualifying. He 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 did, he he um, oh, what was it? He he uh, put himself before the team orders in qualifying. He this he, year, yeah, he yeah, wanted but to be he wasn't happy of, about it. No, well, he <laughs> wanted to be ahead of Leclerc in one of the lap in one of the qualifying laps, and they said no. Leclerc's getting. Um, the headlap, which uh, which is funny, because if you watch qualifying, you'll see that Ferrari is very much treating them like children. Like, okay, now this race is your turn to be number one in, in qualifying. Now this race is science was it last time, so <laughs> now it's your turn. Charles, stop complaining. It's your turn. We'll give you it. Well, Charles, science really wants to win and get it ahead of you, so I guess it's okay. Like they always have this thing, and then yeah, they just. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing with science's tire strategy. Well, yeah, that's that's a, a, a big question. I think I, I think they really and actually, I was going to say before we get to that, we just need to maybe talk a little bit more about that clip because literally neither the driver nor the engineer could remember the plan. Yeah. So so is the engineer just trying to figure out a way to explain it to him? That's without- what I'm hoping. Without giving too much away, you, that's yeah. a very. I like uh, Ron. You're that's a very astute guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you're a very astute yeah. guy. I, I would I would say that. However, it doesn't show it in this clip, but in the the race day, the one if you watch it on F1 uh, TV and go to the onboards, he does kind of go like, "Hold on, Carlos, I'll find out for you." Well, yeah, he did. He did say that even in that clip. He's like, "I'll yeah. get back to you." And 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 I thought, as Ron it's thought, absurd. because he didn't want to say, "Well, Plan B is when we pit on lap 17 and take on the hard tires." They don't want to give that away because these days the 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 pit to car car to pit radio is unencrypted, so all the teams can hear it. And sometimes I think they use that to their advantage. I think that's why we often hear about. These days, Max complaining about his tires, and back in the day, Hamilton complaining about his tires. But previously, 
those were encrypted and the teams would spend massive amounts of money to both encrypt and then try to spy on their team rivals to decrypt them. And so the FIA just said, no, 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 that's a waste of money. So we're not going to, we're going to just make it open now. Yeah. And, and so th then I think that's part of the reason they didn't want to give away their strategy. Yeah. I mean, I, I look, I would love to give Ferrari that much praise that they're thinking, <laughs> but I, I generally believe they just Well, it was clear that. that science didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone <laughs> yeah. knew what knew. I mean, like what you were saying earlier in the show, it's it's kind of hard to believe with all of the failures of Ferrari that where that they got as many points as, as they have. Yeah, definitely. And um, you know, like you from somebody new to the sport, you're mm -hmm. like, do they know what's going on? And then you see all these people more into the sport and like, do they even know what's going on? Like how how are they still this bad at it when that should have been the number one thing they were fixing or is there something else going on there? You know, that question in and of itself, I think, is a great testament to what a team sport F1 is. I think a lot of people who are not into it or not into racing at all just think, well, it's a guy driving a it's a person driving a car around a track very fast. And it is that. But what it really takes is a team. And, and that's where we see, you know, Ferrari, they got good drivers. The car, it looked quick at the start of the year. It was very quick last year. But what's failing them is the teamwork, the communication. And I think that's another area where Red Bull excels. Yeah, they do have the best designer, but they also have a good team, a culture there that seems to, and I know that some people will criticize that they always favor the number one driver too much, but that's motor racing. Uh, I think they are very good at communicating their plans, getting everybody on board, making sure everybody knows what to do. And they don't have those mistakes that Ferrari does. Mm -hmm. So do you think Leclerc is going to be looking for a new team? Because Well, that leads I me, think to, yeah. that leads me to my question. One of the questions we always ask here on the F world is when it comes to Ferrari is, do you make Carlos Sainz your new number one? <laughs> and you no. come, come, but why, why not? <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I used to say, but because yeah. <laughs> but I'm pretty torn because I, I totally agree with the idea. You don't because Charles is your number one and Charles has so much potential that he just needs to tweak, dial a few things in and he's got it. But like science puts so much work in. But so Ron coming from, do you honestly believe that Charles is failing Ferrari as opposed to they've completely failed him over the last two years. Cause if you think that, if you think that he's the problem, then yes, by all means, but everything I've seen from there, I'm like, you're, you're not wrong, yeah. but I think there are examples of the former. I think there are yeah. examples of Leclerc getting in his head and, 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 yeah. you know, especially sure. the earlier races, not just this season, but with Ferrari, I think he was Last feeling season. the pressure, put a lot of pressure on himself and, and seemed to have some, some, times when he just wasn't performing to his best yeah it, charles is really really good and that's kind of the problem is that he's he's kind of like a raw talent without someone there to be like this is how you don't do this and i think that if him and sebastian vettel had gotten along it would have been a very very different team mm. i think that's what ferrari was really banking on with sebastian being a really like very kind and very uh, coaching person to charles that did not happen because they were both very very hungry for a championship um, but Charles, like last year, uh, crucial points in, in France to, you know, could have finished P2, had a P2 finish right in his hands, and he driver errored it. Uh, last year in Miami, uh, this year in Miami too, you know, he lost control. His own things lost lost him control. He's cost a lot of money to the team. And Car uh, sorry, uh, Charles Leclerc, so much raw talent that he doesn't know when you don't need to go f 
full send. He there's the, the famous thing where he where uh, there's so many videos that talk about like how he knows how to do ninety nine percent and a hundred percent. He just doesn't know when to not do a hundred and one. And when there's a difference between doing 100% and 98, 99, 98, and lowering down your potential. And I think, Leclerc, what makes him such a driver's... Like, if, if you're a driver, you love Leclerc because he just he's very Alonso-esque of, I will go. I will put this here. And when he's on point, at least. And, um, yeah, just... I think I think Ferrari this year is in so much changeover with, with everything that... Who knows what you can do? I will go on record to say I don't think Bentia, Mattia Bonato should have been fired. I think that's not the that was not the problem at Ferrari. You know, you've said that a lot. I think a lot of people say that. I'm not so sure. Um, maybe yes, maybe no. But I'm just I was looking and thinking about Charles Leclerc and the question that you raised, Ron. And the immediate thing that came to my mind is that he needs a new or better manager. And when that came to my mind, it made me realize, oh, I wonder who his manager is. So I just Googled it quickly, and if this is accurate, his manager is Nicholas Todd, spelled T-O-T-D, which is a very famous name in Formula One and the FIA. His, if that's the same guy, his father is Jean Todd, the husband to Michelle Yeoh, who was also the team principal of Ferrari in all those days. But my, oh. my biggest point here is Nicholas Todd, as a racing manager, if he's, if he's managing Leclerc, his other uh, his other clients, if you will, have been Daniel Keviat, we all know how that Felipe Massa, not bad, yeah. and Pastor Maldonado. So not really the cutting leading edge. Do you recognize any of those names? No. None of you them. You should rest recognize Felipe, maybe, yeah. uh, Pastor Maldonado, especially because Well, why? Because why? Why, why would why would someone why? new to the sport in the last year know Pastor Maldonado? Because his record got broken in Austria. The record for most penalties to occur <laughs> in a single race. Okay. Esteban okay, Ocon excellent. broke it in Austria. Fair to, point. Touche. So Touche. I figured there that maybe, go. maybe like you would have seen there the news stories go. about that. Yeah. But I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> flex. Ocon. I'm gonna flex a little here. I know Maldonado because I met him. Ha ha ha. But I also know him because he's the last race winner for Williams, and I'm a pretty, pretty big Williams fan. But mm-hmm. my point being, they're they're not household names. Mm-hmm. And so maybe he needs a better manager. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he, I don't think Leclerc has a manager that's quite Mark Webber esque of hey, with I know how to yeah. I know how to jump you get you out of this. Seat. Exactly, you need you need a driver as a manager. I think Martin Brundle he manages or used to manage drivers. Yeah. Taryn just mentioned Mark Webber, who was uh, number two to Vettel uh, at the Red Bull days. Could have probably won a championship had he not had a biking accident in Tasmania. Yeah. Uh, who else we got there? Piastri, oh, and he's managing uh, Piastri. So, yeah, maybe that's part of it. Who knows? Also, I forgot to ask. Uh, speaking of, um, because Mark, in my head, you said Mark Weber, and I'm Mark Weber. You said Mark Weber. Yeah, you too. Uh, and then I, I said Mark. And then Weber. you said Mark Weber too. But Mark Weber is a very good friend of Fernando Alonso and Aston Martin. There was, a, a, I forgot to point it out, but there was a point where. Uh, Lance Stroll says he got hit by a flying rock in his hand. Yes, I remember that. And and they're like, oh, okay. And we always have a theory that Lance Stroll is only good when he's injured, but he did not get, <laughs> but he did not get better in no, that he race. Didn't. He no, got significantly was, oh, worse. Oh, yeah, it caused some problems. Well, not only a bad race for him, but he ruined he the ruined race Pierre, of a Pierre Gasly. Gasly's race. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so 
Yeah, that's actually where I wanted to jump to next was let's jump. was was let's just let's just jump it to to Aston Martin uh and and the Mercedes and another and Mercedes kind of customer teams but Mercedes in general but Aston Martin seems to have the 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 hope and dream of a podium finish for Aston Martin every single race not has not happened yeah um, in the last couple of races I mean Austria is, a, is 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 a tricky track in general. Um, um did you want you watch the Austria? Yep. Yeah, so you would agree. it's a it's a fun one. Uh it's it's a tricky track in general, but like Fernando Alonso looked like no looked didn't look to have any pace. And then again, you would think that Silverstone, which is a very, very classic track, very high speed track, everything that, that um the Aston Martins excels at nowhere on the board was the Aston Martin the fastest car, uh, throughout the weekend. What is what? What happened to the great, great Fernando Alonso dream? I know somewhere out there, Marion just crying because she just wants Fernando Alonso to win. So I'm sorry, sorry, Marion. Maybe you'll better luck next year. Um, but like, is this just? This is the, the 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 diminishing returns of jumping too far too fast, or or upgrade packages not a hundred percent working. You think that you would. You would have so much because Aston Martin was so low that they have so much upgrade in in, in aerodynamics time. Or the other idea I had just before we did started recording is this kind of the Mercedes group as a customer team, and Mercedes kind of being like either A give us back the good engines, <laughs> um, or B and and B Mercedes group fan the Mercedes family are all looking to 2024 because otherwise we'll, we'll be too far behind Red Bull for 24 25 and this is now you're kind of just starting to see that some teams that are kind of yeah they have a good car this season we can look on let's look on to the next championship because this one's all done we're starting to see that did Aston have upgrade packages that they brought in the last couple of weeks? Because it certainly looked like everyone jumped ahead of them. They they did bring some to the previous races. I don't know if they had any any in Silverstone. No, they did a lot of tweaking. They were saying okay, like a lot of tuning and tweaking. Hmm. Um, yeah, the I know Mercedes brought a whole new front wing section. Yeah, there were lots of updates to other teams, but with Aston, I'm not sure. It's a good question, yeah. Ron. Yeah. It seems to be like like Stroll is. I'm not convinced by him still, but um, <laughs> I don't but, think even you know, his dad like, like you know, Alonzo looked like the, a good chance for being the top non Red Bull driver. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, for right now, you know, there's a legitimate it's, race for second. Yeah, it's slipping away a little bit. Anywhere. I haven't looked in a while. Who uh, is he? Who's in second place in Sergio the drivers? Sergio Perez with 156. Oh, that makes uh, sense. Fernando who's Alonso there? with 137. Yeah. And Lewis Hamilton with 121. Okay, well, he's still handily ahead of Lewis Hamilton, so there's that. Um, undoubtedly, so, uh, the great last week's Grand Prix in Silverstone, I forget the official name, um, was the, the worst. The British Grand Prix, thank <laughs> you. I'm sure there's a sponsor's name attached to it as well. Absolutely, it was their worst race. They scored six points. And I remember, I can't remember which race, but I remember Alonso saying, you know, I think it was the first race where he finished off the podium. He said, this will be the last time we finish off the podium. We're going to be on the podium in every single race throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I think now, that, that was, didn't happen. I think it was Azerbaijan. But they did score good points uh, previously in Austria. They scored 21 Previously in Canada, they scored 20. And then if you look to the three previous races before that, they never scored 20 points in a race. So I think, you know, Great Britain aside, they did okay in Austria and Canada. They maybe didn't get the, the glory in the, of the podium or what have you. 
but they were getting points as a team because Stroll was starting to contribute maybe somewhat, or I don't know if it's Alonso getting all those points. Mainly, mainly Alonso. Yeah. Stroll's always been either not scoring points or P5, P6. Okay. One, other than the great three-flight circus of Australia, this is the only time Stroll has finished before higher than P5. Hmm. And then in his career, he's only finished on podium like two or three times. And that's been because of some pretty wild races. Right, right. Um, yeah. I really don't know. I, I would like to think that there's like one big upgrade package coming and coming and giving Aston, the, Aston Martin like this. Uh, and they're even called the Silverstone team because they're, well, they're their yeah, facilities are they're right factories across the street. Yeah. yeah. And so like, it's quite funny how, how quite funny how close all these teams are. Like Brackley is, I think like 25, 50 miles away from Silverstone. Um, Red Bull's facility. Red Bull's there, yeah. Uh, Milton Keynes. Yeah, is only 50 miles away as, as well, like down the road. And then Silverstone, and then Aston Martin's like neck, like you said, across the street. Um, so you would you expect these three teams to have a lot of rival rivalry with mm-hmm. that track and, and really know that track well. And like Aston just didn't seem to play. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's the the I, honestly, I think it is the aerodynamics. I I don't go. Uh, I know they got the Mercedes engine in there, but I I think typically you see when customers are using a works team's engine, you don't often hear of any doubt of oh, are they giving us the full engine? Or if they are not giving the full engine, that's actually written into a contract. Like we're gonna give you last year's engine, yeah. and everybody. And I think that's what happens sometimes with Haas. Haas they get last Haas year's Ferrari. Yeah. yeah. So oh, I, mean, I, I don't do this year's Ferrari too. Who knows? I, I don't think it's a case of Mercedes, you know, not giving them the best engine or tuning it down or whatever. I think it's just they've they've had a few problems with maybe their upgrades. They haven't performed yeah. as expected. Yeah. yeah, they've also launched their new factory. And I remember you at the beginning of the season, Taryn, were always saying, "Oh, they have this great new factory coming online." And I actually thought that could be somewhat of a negative because it takes some time to get those new factories dialed in. I mean, nothing goes according to plan. So they have this mm-hmm. 200 million pound factory or whatever it is. Yeah. I think they just opened it officially. I don't know if it's all operational, but they had an opening ceremony. I think yeah. Stroll drove the car yeah. into the factory or something so or that, out yeah. of it. Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of weird. Yeah, I, I'm not really but sure. I think happened. I think they've been somewhat distracted, right? Oh, trying to open the the factory, and and Lawrence Stroll has a lot on his plate. He's not the is he the principal? He's not the principal. No, Lawrence no, Stroll, he's, he's, he's just the CEO. He's, yeah, he's the majority share uh, share owner. Yeah, holder. so. I think it's. I don't think it's the engine. I think it's it's the car. And going back to my earlier point about teamwork, I think it's a little bit of the team. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is a team that is really heavily shaking up and adding uh, more. It, it, it was funny we were talking about this uh, last episode when uh, Reese was on that uh, I kind of mentioned. You know, out of all the teams on the grid so far, Mercedes has been the most borderline gutted in terms of their championship winning team has been gone to Red Bull specifically, but. Uh, Ferrari, but also Aston Martin, mm-hmm. and Aston Martin took a lot from Red Bull, and now you look at some of the they. I think they lost like three technical employees to one of them was McLaren. That uh, he one of them was the, the big one f- was from Red Bull, but some of their race engineers went from Aston Martin went to McLaren recently, and Ferrari. Yeah, that's my point. Some, the yeah, team. So, so much of the teams are being jumbled up mm-hmm. in the middle of the season still, and then. Well, I don't know. Contract wars are always contract wars. There's there's always going to be another contract war to, to talk about. But yeah, I I really don't know what happened with Aston Martin this last race. But also, you you know, Walter, you you brought it up, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this too, uh, uh, Ron. Stroll's penalties, do they seem lackluster or kind of weak? Com- compare when you think of the fact that he kind of ruined Alpine's race. 
or not really kind of. He just straight up did ruin Alpine's race. Gentlemen, thoughts? Like after a race in which there was how many penalties for minor track violations? 83. <laughs> and then you can nice. lightly like that, like lightly go over the line, five second penalty, end somebody's race, five second penalty. Yeah, you like, and you don't even have to serve. You know, that doesn't even have to be served. Well, I I agree. I uh, his and he shouldn't have even been in the position he was in to ruin Gasly's race because he should have had a penalty for leaving the track and gaining an advantage. He should have had to have right. given the place back to Gasly, and then Gasly would have probably scampered off into the distance. Therefore. He wouldn't be fighting against Stroll and have that opportunity to Stroll to, you know, break his suspension, which is what happened. Like, yeah, that was obviously a terrible race for Alpine. Like we saw like McLaren and Alpine just going in very different directions. Good point. Yeah. In yeah. that race. And I just, you know, if all Hawkon could the luck that guy seems to get these days and some of it's self-created, I'm sure. But I mean, I, I really think Alpine used to get a better team principal, but. That's just me. Uh, Otmar is an interesting character on Drive to Survive, but not necessarily the best in terms of race, which is why I think, like, you know, coming from... It's why I don't like... like I don't hate Gunter, but I also don't like Gunter because he's just a really good television personality, mm. but not not a great... And there's only so much you can do at Haas, but, like, right. not, a, not a great I mean, team principal like, with that. Obviously, but, terrible management of drivers and stuff last year, but, you know, it kept, you know, it was an interesting start to the year because they came out and McLaren fell flat on their faces. And yeah. you were like... Haas usually it. starts pretty strong. I typically they start pretty strong. Back because yes, they don't have any upgrades coming, right? Yeah, no they one maybe has upgrades on the in the cars. Lay it all out there from the start. But I'll I'll yeah. just answer your question, Taryn. Yeah, the um, strolls penalties were just not right. Yeah, it just seemed they should have been harsher, and there should have been another one. He should have had to have given the place back to Gasly. Yeah, he went it's so clear. Went off the track, well, passed him off the track. And I and I tried to rewatch. I rewatched that part, and I. I swear, I think there is a radio edit that I I couldn't find it in, in the mishmash of uh, highlights that I was that I'm using here, but there was a, a a radio message saying like, okay, we're going to have to probably give that place back. Oh, and it wasn't, and he hmm. didn't give it back. Like, and he basically right. didn't give it back. He basically well, he let, wasn't asked to. So. Yeah, he wasn't forced well, to do it, to. and he was kind of he kind of let Gazi catch up to him, and then he just started going again. Wasn't like, there? Now that that. As I recall from the race, when, when, when Stroll went off, gained an advantage, passed Gasly off the track limits, outside of track limits, uh, was there a stewards inqu- inquiry? I think there was. There was. There was. But uh, wasn't there a change in the rules a while back where they said they're not actually going to do that and the, the teams and the drivers are just going to have to kind of work that out on their own? I can't, I couldn't find it. I, lo- I tried to find Remember that. that? Yeah. I remember what you're talking about. They couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't find anything that says they 100% won't mm. look into things. But, Some things won't. They, so, but the stewards did look in, and they and they decided no further action. And I don't know how they made that call. Yeah, it it, yeah, it made weird. no it made no sense to me. I was, yeah, I was under the impression that it was like if the place was given back, then there would be no sort of penalties correct. for it. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. So, but coming from drive to survive, yeah. then, and you see all these things happen, like. What confuses you with the rules of the race and and kind of or even kind of kind of like in golfers there's kind of the, the gentlemanly rules right in golf but like no. with F one no. there's some of those as well. well we, we had the rough the Saskatchewan Rough Riders winning on a, a one point yes. uh, kickback play against the Elks. So talking <laughs> about obscure rules. Me, the thing yeah. that confuses that. me is that it would be like if the NHL had a review, but it was a different organization that did the review, like the World <laughs> Hockey, like. 
yeah. you know, like like not the NHL doing the review. But if that like so the fact that there's like the relationship between F one and FIA, like I you know, it just gets very confusing. Interesting to me. Like, point. Who is mm-hmm. like what you know, why aren't you enforcing your own rules? And the fact mm-hmm. that they were like like to me in the previous race, like people were getting follow up penalties when they had not even gotten a caution. Like mm-hmm. like it was so They were though. That was the big thing is that a lot were and there was so many Right. Like there was twelve hundred plus so citations. something needs <laughs> something either you needed know. to be well, given to the teams like we are like either a direct message saying we are can, we are counting well, these and like you typically they over. do typically the race director will tell the teams okay we're real we're enforcing track limits on turns 14 15 and 2 mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. but for me with track limits i this is Formula One. Yep. It's the most technologically advanced sport in the world, or so they claim. It's the pinnacle of motorsport. Why can't they have a sensor in the car and in the track that just, like 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 Hawkeye in tennis, that just, there's no need to review, there's no need for a stewards. If it's a track limits violation, the car and the track will know and you will just get a penalty every single time. No cautions, no warnings, you just get that penalty. If they did that, it would end because the drivers mm-hmm. would know that and they would stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, even just like yeah. lap time deleted. Well, that's what like, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. Oh, but okay. if, if they had yeah. seen yeah. the lap times deleted, like again, the fact that that by the time that they had gotten the yeah, they got the three black and white flag right. thing. Yes. Yeah. By the time they had gotten that, they had already racked up four or five more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you that. mean. I know. Because yeah, so, my argument about against speed cameras, because you you could get three tickets technically driving on a highway with three speed cameras. You wouldn't know you got the first two until you get them in the mail a week later. I don't even yeah. get them in, in the mail a week later. <laughs> For me, it's like three or four months. Those times. <laughs> it's not there, fair. Was, there was a legitimate time. It's not I'm, fair. I'm going to disclose something here that I really probably shouldn't. But there was a time where I got uh, two traffic violations in the mail, and they're like, and it says the dates that they were and they were like three months behind and i looked at it, it was like date date received it was like date put in the mail date uh put through the Sherlock office and yeah. it was like the day was like the net the last yesterday but the day it was issued was two months ago oh. so i just had a traffic violation it's like if you if you get another one you will not you will lose your license right i so was just on this edge had you known knowing. right exactly ron's point right, exactly. exactly had you known you would have probably changed your driving behavior. But since they weren't told, you know, they're getting these penalties exactly. for things they didn't do. But I think that also reinforces my point. Just make the car it. and the track talk to each other. They know immediately. There's no doubt. There's. It's just, to me, that's the perfect solution. Probably I'm overlooking something, but you know, I think that's a pretty good solution. No, I don't think you're overlooking too much either because I think there's, there's there, yeah. I don't often rant, but when I do, I, I enjoy it. That was a that was a that was a nice little rant. I, I like that. I want you to do more. I think it really <laughs> makes the, that's a, you know to be honest, I, what I missed was our qualifying sessions because you rant a lot more on the qualifying. Oh, do I? Okay, I, think I, I love it. I think that's because we're drinking Red Bulls on those occasions. <laughs> we, but drink, we drink a lot. If of you do want to hear more ranting, you're going to have to okay, hear it next week because okay. I do need to um, uh, work my way out. But I got a yeah. couple of minutes left. If you okay. if you want to touch on something quick, yeah, let's uh, let's touch. Let's um, so Alpine then. 
actually, no. You know what, Alpine? I think we. I think we. It's very safe to say that Ryan Reynolds' money is going to be oh, really, yeah, good really, point. really. <laughs> yeah, Ryan helpful. Reynolds has got right, buyer's right. remorse. <laughs> I don't know. I think. I think he just. See, uh, Marion's actually made a he, really good. He point. thought he bought. He bought the Alpine stereo company. Maybe. <laughs> Do you have Alpines in your cars when you were a kid? Uh, I, I did. Yeah. yeah, I had a Volvo. So I yeah. had an Alpine. Yeah. Um, I uh, and Pioneer. Uh, Marion's actually made a really good point, which was that every single time Ryan Reynolds buys or creates a, a thing, it always turns into. It always. Um, their pr- price when he sells it, the price is up by over two hundred percent. So we'll see what happens with yeah. Alpine in the next few years. Yeah. But um, you know, before uh, I, you know, Ron, you at, when I asked you what would you want to talk about, you asked me a very interesting one, which was what does the Netflix or TV broadcasters? I'm assuming you're meaning more TSN and ESPN um, do or miss compared to races. And mm-hmm. a small anecdote. Hmm. I was on uh, Instagram and uh, ESPN F1 posted something that said, how come we're a year late behind getting this footage? And it was the through goes Hamilton on uh, last year's Silverstone. And I replied with, you're American. What do you know <laughs> about this sport anyways? And uh, I got, uh, yeah. And, and I got a few likes on that one. And, and, and they actually replied to me like, very funny. We're just not European enough, I guess. It's like, no, you're not. But um, that, the, that leads me to it. That's the anecdote that I thought as soon as you emailed me yeah. that you asked that question, like, that's hilarious. So watching the races and everything, what are things that are you picking up on things that you're, yeah, that I you're mean, missing? I, I'm or? not, I'm, I mean, I'm curious, like, We've got all of these fans who are have coming in new to the sport, um, who are learning all of the fun little things like the weird, you know, walks between the cars before the races or certain other sort of elements of of the sport. But you're sort of like, what do like veteran fans like look for? And what when you're watching uh, Drive to Survive, what are you wishing that was there that they're not really uh, highlighting? It, it's a great question. I think that itself could be an episode. Um, but for on. me, and, and, and let's remember this conversation, Ron, because I hope you can join us again. I mean, many, many times. But I also hope that we can get you back after uh, the Drive to Survive for this season comes out. Because I'd love to hear your take, having watched you know Drive to Survive, which got you into a full season of actual racing, and then watching the Drive to Survive um, season of that F1 season, and maybe you can answer your own question. Because for me, and I think Taryn, you're the same, what I don't like, I, I like Drive to Survive, and I'm, I'm ecstatic that it's brought new fans into the sport. But what I don't like about Drive to Survive is the asynchronous, is that the right word? Nature of how they present the season. You know, those... The, the, oh, they yeah, skip yeah. all over the place, yeah. right. which you the know. first season didn't do. Right, the first two seasons did, but the last one well. did it so much. Yeah. It was just like, oh, I got vertigo or whatever that is from just trying to keep the timeline straight. It was like an episode of a show that has a lot of timelines. Yeah, <laughs> The Witcher. <laughs> the Witcher. Thank you. The all Witcher right, thank season you. one. I haven't, I haven't even seen The Witcher season three. So no, 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 season one. Yeah. Season one. Was very thank, thanks was for saving me there. Very I knew there no must problem. be one. No <laughs> so yeah. many. I was about to say, I was about to do a quantum leap. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that, that would have been good too. <laughs> but I couldn't nice. think of it off the top of my head. But, um, so for me, that's it. I, right. the, so thing, season the thing I don't like is the way they chop it all together in the editing. The thing they... Are they missing anything? Honestly, I think what 
I don't maybe like how they do it, but I think what they do is very comprehensive and very good at bringing new fans in. As you said, it's sort of a primer or primer, if you will, if you're from the UK. Um, I, I like it. And I, the only thing that's missing is something that you can't replicate on television, and that's the visceral feel of F1. It literally ignites every sense because although they're not as loud as they used to be, the cars are still loud. Right. And although they look good on television, they look even better in person. And when you're there at the track, you can not only hear the cars, you can feel the, th- the, the rumbling or the thunder as they go around the track. You can feel it in your chest and you can smell them. You can smell the fuel and the rubber and maybe that's not good for the environment or my health, but I enjoy it much like, you know, cigarettes, alcohol and everything else in the world. All, um, all, all, all the above. Sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. So I think that's lacking, but how do you replicate that, right? right. The, the, ev- all five senses are excited when you're actually at a race. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the, like, for me, the race analysis is weak. Like, I'm sure the commentators have could have better things to say, but the, like... Where are you watching it? No, no, I'm, I'm saying I on, mean, on the drive to survive. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Like, sometimes mm. they just say the most obvious things to Fair. the point yeah. it became a, a meme right oh um, will will buxton will buxton yeah, saying will like, buxton oh yeah if you finish whoever first, wins a race wins a race yeah, hey, you you'll know? win the race if you're yeah if you're not sure if you're not finishing p1 and in qualifying but, you're not finishing pole in the you're not starting pole on the race it's like yeah but that's obviously. my question of like where and i thought you were talking about like tsn's coverage right. or espn or sky sports sort of one of because those, yeah two different questions because will buxton is famous for that even during the season like that's just his style. So I think personally, if, if I watch it on F1.com, I have the subscription and that's where I watch it. I usually tune in to the international feed uh, for the audio, which isn't good in qualifying though, because the, the video doesn't always sync up. Yeah. But if I could watch it on television, uh, I think Star Sports does the best coverage. Sky Sports? S- what did I say? Star? Yeah. It used to be Star way back in the yeah, day. That's yeah. how old I am. Sky You're right. Sports, Sky, Sky Sports, Sports currently. Is, so that's the TSN yeah. feed that I'm watching. Yeah. Sky Sports is also the international feed on F1 TV okay. and everything. Yeah. yeah. But so in yeah. terms of their video coverage and their their analysis, I think they're top notch. Yeah. Martin. Awesome. Anytime you get Martin Brundle on, it's pretty good. Um, so, but I thought they've done a really good job this year, um, especially the the new strategist person they bring in, Bernie Collins. Yeah, she's she's, she's in the she mo- well, that's part really of F one's cover. Is that Sky Sports or is that F one's cover? That yeah. is Sky. Okay. She, uh, fun fact, I was looking this up. She got an offer from F one and she turned it down for Sky Sports. Oh, neat! Because she used uh, to be with Aston Martin. She was Aston yeah. Martin. She's also uh, a character in the upcoming Lewis Hamilton movie. Uh, okay. for Apple, oh, we didn't TV. even talk about that. She wasn't on. You guys can have fun talking yeah. about that because I need to work my way out. Before you go, though, okay. unfortunately, the time I do, I want you here, um, Ron. We have a game on the show Uh-oh. called the Rookie Pool to see which of the rookies. There's three. There's Oscar Piastri, Logan Sargent, and Nick DeVries. Uh, who's going to finish first? We know the answers. Probably well, the answers, but I'm interested to see if you're going to. There's still a lot of races left to go. Oscar Piastri is currently leading with 17 points, and the other and the other uh, drivers have zero. But but amongst those zeros, Sargent is leading DeVries. Sargent Let's just is be clear leading, about that. Yes, yeah, Sargent is leading DeVries and has a car that doesn't seem to like that he can drive. He did better in uh, where, did, where did he finish in, in this one? Thirteenth, I think. Finished eleventh. 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 Oh, that hurts. The British Grand Prix. That's like the worst uh, place to finish. I'd rather finish in twelfth because then eleventh, you're just one. You know, yeah. tenth of a second away from 11th, points. Yeah, and and by the way, who would have thought? 11th, really? Yeah, who would have thought 
that we'd ever see a race where Williams a Williams car beats out two for both Ferraris. Uh, and the Ferraris actually were finished up in a Williams sandwich. So Albin and P9, Charles uh, 9, uh, sorry, 8, and then Charles 9, 10, and Logan Sargent 11. I'm digressing, though. Keep in mind that there's still a lot of races to left no, to go. No. Piastri may be able to, who knows what happens. Who who are you taking to be to, to, to win the rookies? Yeah, I'm not. I'm just going Piastri. Okay, there we go. No, we're, no. We're, uh, we're put that on the record. But mm. you mean for the season or from this point forward? I mean, that would be the Either fairer way, way to do Either it. Let's way. do it from this point from forward. This point forward, We're racing all their so. points. Yeah. They're all starting from zero. For the rest okay. of the season, who's your top rookie? Yeah, the one who's actually scored points. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. hard to argue yeah. with that. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I think everyone's <laughs> All right, who's your number two then? <laughs> yeah. Among Sargent or DeVries? I think Sargent, but... Mm-hmm. I don't have confidence. This Ron gentleman is a smart cookie. Yeah, I don't have confidence it. that either of them are going to get a point. Yeah, you're probably <laughs> right. But they do like they will be ranked higher than the other based on uh, highest finish. So if if Sargent finished in 11th and DeVries never finishes higher than 11th, if they both have zero points, there Sargent will be ranked higher. So there you go. Yeah. So bank on that 11th. Place All right. Yeah. Well. It is that time then uh, to say adieu. Yeah, to, to I got to run. Walter. I'd love to stay. Uh, there's a lot we could talk about, obviously, oh, but so looking much. forward to it next time. Definitely. Hopefully, another time soon we will uh, link up about that. So we're we'll play you out. Thank with you. Some, with some messages, uh, and then uh, everyone stay tuned for more. Because yeah, you and Ron will be back, and I'll be tuning yeah. in from my office because uh, you Ron, go. you've brought some great insights. Yes. Excellent. Thank I you. I love the fact great that you're meeting. Uh, Ron. Where, where where were my thoughts? I, I totally forget. So so Piastri is your choice for for rookie pool. Um, that's you know everyone's going to win that one. Um, Lewis Hamilton fan drive to survive. You know what drive to survive? Let's let's talk. And I kind of mentioned uh, or tease the Hollywood. You, you know you're watching the races now. Uh, what are you thinking of this whole Brad Pitt the Apex team? This this fake team that's Mercedes team, but that stuff taking up the grid. There seems to be a lot of like love about it. We get to, you get to really see a Hollywood movie be filmed in front of us, but at the same time, they're taking up spots on the grids. It's a safety thing. It's kind of like, do we really need it? Could it be simulated another way? But like, your your thoughts on Hollywood coming into this and the the growth of this league has had that this sport has had in the last three years, I'd say. Yeah, like, I mean, obviously, there's always going to be like some, you know, stress between new fans and old, and there's some, you know, gatekeeping and stuff. And I mean, obviously, I'm not sure how much of a interference in the actual like game it is, or in the actual sport or the event. So that would be sort of one question. Would be like, you know, if it if some teams felt it actually altered the race, then. Well, that think, would be. I think it's more. I think it's more of like a filming, like the act of it. I know there is a Total Wolf, who is the team principal of Mercedes, had had said that at Silverstone it's really easy because there's a lot of space, but in other tracks, for instance, Singapore, um, even Hungary, and and um, Spa that's coming up, Spa is very dangerous to 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 have more than necessary on the track, and it kind of gets in the way. I guess, like, for me, my thing is is more, does it become, is it really just a spectacle of things, or is it really kind of embracing what the sport is? Is it just adding more layers to it for more things that, that you know, necessarily fan, ways for people who are not fans of F1 to go to the sport to watch a spectacle happen rather than watch the sport? Right. And, I mean, I think that's always going to be, like, you know, a question 
I mean, when there was the sort of mini poker boom, all of a sudden, how many movies had a poker scene in? And oh sometimes they would just be the most unrealistic, you know, yeah. uh, everyone having 21 full houses, <laughs> four of a kinds, right? And it didn't really like replicate with the, what new fans or what, what fans were actually seeing. So like, you know, wait and see what, what Brad, Brad Pitt does with this. And I is, mean, he's a little bit old, but he thinks yeah. he's young, right? So that's mm, important. I think he's also accepting that he is old and is it eight, and he has some like wise age to him too, right? But this is a this is, movie is being executive produced by Lewis Hamilton. Mercedes is really heavily involved and working on a lot of accuracy for I it. mean, what but, racing movies like did you always like racing movies have you enjoyed racing movies i haven't not enjoyed them i mean um, i'm coming from like i said in the, in the break there you know the best racing movie i watched was probably cars maybe cars <laughs> 2 it's not even a racing movie <laughs> um <laughs> but you know i i didn't watch too many of them i you know yeah. like other than the you know talladega nights and some you know comedy so, stuff so but the yeah spoof like stuff. yeah i mean i haven't really like you know, what you know, been like really sold on on watching racing movies. Mm-hmm. So, what you know, is that something for you as a, a long term fan in the sport? You watched a lot of these movies, and well, there's been very few that I feel like really hit the sport. Um, and and that's the whole thing. Like, there's so much Hollywood to it, right? If I think the, the two that really come to my mind are Driven with uh, Sylvester St- Stallone. That's probably the most Hollywood action you, you could probably get. There's a scene where he puts a quarter on and he hears a bunch of quarters and he pit and he goes and hits it so it spins and he does a lap and he comes back and he power slides in an F one car <laughs> and picks up the quarters all in a, in a in a row so that they line line up perfectly as a, in a stack on his tire when he stops and he's like this is a good, this is a good of a driver I am you know and it's like that's just impossible you just <laughs> physically can't do that. Um, at the same time, it's very entertaining, and there's a lot of real fun kind of scenes with it. Um, in terms of racing movies, I think the next one, for F1 specifically, a good one to watch is Rush uh, with Ron Howard. Uh, Ron Howard directed with it, and with, with Chris Hemsworth at the height of height of his powers, coming right off of the Avengers. Uh, I think I think at the time it was like Avengers 1 or Avengers or, or Age of Ultron. Um, he had just finished wrapping that up and did this. But that's the story of Nikki Lauda and James Hunt. Which, if you look it up, that if you, I, I encur- actually encourage you. You can find old races. This is why I always say, get F1 TV because you can go into the 1970 races, the races of the 1970s, and watch Hunt and Lauda fight and, and and race each other. It's fantastic racing, and they did a good job showing the the rivalry that also turned into a respect and a friendship, but specifically the rival. Those two are very big names in in the F1 mm-hmm. world. That rivalry is very famous. That's a very good one, but it also is one that follows the the problem of there isn't a lot of accuracy if you know if you actually know what happened or know right. the events of of that time, and that's what I think this one with Lewis Hamilton and Brad Pitt is kind of interesting and kind of leads into the like so more celebrity culture coming in. You know, you saw everyone sees the clip of Anne Hathaway going to Danny Ricardo to be like, "I'm a huge fan." Of Danny Ricardo, <laughs> like, like Danny Ricardo, like in 2016, sure, but Danny Ricardo post 2019, no way, no way you're a fan of that. I mean, you can't because Danny Ricardo, he's got an infectious right. smile, but right. you're starting to see the it's, big, a big kind of thing. So, right, and that's it's about. I mean, is that 
a move away from what the sport's always been about, which is rich people and glamour? I mean, is this like you say it's Hollywoodization, but is is it actually is this not just a continuation of of core elements of the sport? I mean, I think that's the real question, though, because I think there's there's ways to to to, to kind of answer it more directly with that. I think that what makes it really makes the sport really interesting and the core things of the sport. There is so much Hollywood in the sport. There is glitz and glamour. It's everything's to the extreme. Mm-hmm. It's the F1 circus for a reason. And and when you think about historically circuses are, are historically very big pageantry, showman showmanship and everything. So obviously there has to be that involved. But I think that at, at, at its core has always been about sport. There is a very technological arms race and engineering factor like walter was saying so much team there is so much team and when you think compared to the glitz and glamour that is not spoken about um you think you, you watch the racing and for the for newer uh, things there are people i've talked to who don't know that the mercedes car is built in a massive factory that has a wind tunnel that has all this stuff they think it's all assembled in the pit in the pit garage and the, the, when i tell them that there's like uh, the Mercedes team, I, I remember writing an art, one of my stories that I write, and I said, you know, there's a, a an entire factory that has 15,000 employees, and they could, people couldn't believe me. Um, so I think that there is always that kind of, wow, this is massive Hollywood-esque glamour to it, but there's always been an underlying tone of the sport. And do you, th- could you see that with the, the success, success that has happened? Right. I mean, to ways. me, I think that the, tension is like between i mean obviously there's more american races being added to the calendar and coming so you knew you knew that would get me i i know that get you right but i mean like is the question is is like it's it's like moving from like centered around europe but it's following so it's sort of like is it an old money new money thing i i mean because the new money races are middle east and like vegas right mm-hmm. vegas and miami and so there's a certain I mean, I think for longtime fans, that that's the the question, right? Like, what um, what does this do to the sport? I I mean, the sport's following the money, right? Like, following mm-hmm. the the billionaires, and you know, is it going to detract from from the sport in some way? Um, I don't. I mean, it's not curling. <laughs> Sorry, right? Like it's not going to change the core like identity of you know of, of the sport, which is all already cars and going fast. But, yeah. uh, but, but I mean, Monaco is where like how many drivers can come from Monaco? Like how many people live there? There's, I don't even believe like, it's a real place. <laughs> it totally is a real place. Have you seen it? You've seen I've it. Not you've seen it. You've seen the Monaco I've, Grand Prix now. They've shown it on TV. It doesn't mean yeah. I believe it. You don't believe it's a real place. This, no. this, this place full of it's hotels and casinos like, and yeah, where rich fake, French people went. Exactly. When no. they said like Charles went to school there, I'm like, what? Like <laughs> this is school. They have Mon- a school in Monaco. Come it on, it's a city. Like, what is the? Are there any like non-millionaire kids at know. that school? Maybe not. But maybe that's the, the cool part about it. So there right. is only. I'm just saying no this news. is what F1 is. It's not. I mean, if you were like that, like yes, I think like the core idea of like NASCAR could be changed by Hollywood, mm-hmm. but I think the core idea of F1 is like glamour and fame, and so a little bit extra Hollywood is not gonna, not gonna wreck that. Mm-hmm. 
But see, I think that's inter- interesting because I wouldn't say I would say that there's a lot tied into it. But I would say the core of F1 is very much like the racing when you see so much, and that's mainly the difference between long-term viewer new DTS mm-hmm. new, and that's not a, that's not a negative against you and, and DTS and drive to survive, drive to survive DTS is what I call it um, and to begin with but it's interesting seeing that to you it, it is all t- tied in together from like the, from the get-go right um, but like even even like, I remember like when we first started really talking about F1 uh, I was always super against Vegas I still kind of am because I don't like the Vegas track and that right. has always been you've always come you've always Whether countered or not it's it. Like the track, the tracks might be bad, but like you know, if you get a chance to go see F one in Vegas, that's a pretty nuts thing, right? Right. In a way, because you you I remember you I, I've taken it's taken me a long time to even counter the argument of you telling me like you because remember you saying like could you not think of a better venue than the Las Vegas Strip as your home straight? And I I remember my response was like yeah, anywhere that actually has a racetrack is a better venue but then you countered it with like but there's no you can't think of like a street race without vegas in some ways yeah, and, and there's a great street yeah but like is that but is that what makes the sport fun though is just having a really I great mean, street and nobody likes place like that like I, I don't know what what do you like watching the monaco race yeah i love it it's my one of my top fives like the I, race okay, itself should, is just should, them driving around in order they yeah. could put it 20 I will mile say, an hour speed limit on and then nothing would change right <laughs> yeah i wouldn't say it's my in top fives but i think that the like walter said it great where there's two things synonymous in f1 and i always quote walter stuff because because i won't yeah, sure. blow smoke up his ass and he's gonna love it but he says you know the two things there's mon the monaco grand prix and ferrari you take any of those two out you don't have the sport anymore sure. and there's always questions and thoughts of should we take monaco out monaco needs to go monaco needs to go and i've always been saying like no monaco don't ever touch monaco because to me i think that if, if and and f1 fans i've long-term f1 that i've talked to they always say the same thing where the monaco grand prix is not the grand prix the monaco grand prix is the qualifying qualifying is where everything happens in monaco it's a very tricky technical it's the arguably one of the most technical sure. te- technical tracks in terms of to to ace Monaco to get a pull on Monaco, you have to know everything about your car and the space that you're that you're given with. So that's why going around fa- fast laps is really fun, and yeah, leads to kind of a, a more duller race. But the rare times you see those those things, the uh, the the overtakes, the thing that's why like Monaco Monaco twenty seventeen is a classic one because n- not a lot happened in the race. Only Lewis Hamilton moved up points in that in that race but his move up in points were so crucial to for him to happen in the championship so this it's a it's a race that means a lot because if you can ace it both on qualifying and the race day it, it's going to have a significant advantage for you points wise so you can't get rid of it but there are people who always want to get rid of it right and i'm, I'm just sort of saying is it's not just about the the race isn't just about the quality of the racing yeah right and i mean if, if you want to keep monaco it's not because you're like oh this is where the best races are it's because it's in monaco which is n- not a real place but <laughs> it's right in this magical weird like made up european country this is the non year of, of casinos, right, right? That, that's just like yeah um and and so i mean like you know um this is where vegas yeah it's not about the track if you can find a good track there if you can make it into something raceable by all means but 
like to me that that's the core thing is that this is not this doesn't seem to violate the identity of the sport it seems to add to i think i think it's add a, to it you know i i think it's a really interesting thing because to me it does i i guess to me it's not violation violation isn't the the word that i would use but to me it's missing the mark um so but that's again to me versus i have a very different history to that but so i guess my question i have two uh kind of ideas of the the, the sports doing that uh we've talked a lot about a few times on the show one did you enjoy miami as like the the, the spectacle of it i'm and i'm including the driver intros and everything and, and the grand prix itself and two are you a fan of sprint races um miami i thought i mean like it was doing what it was trying to do right like bring out the american celebrities and um i mean it's part of like how this season's worked where it's taken a while to actually be like try and find some interesting storylines because when it became very obvious that it was going to just be a coronation for max um number two yeah i like sprint races and I know a lot of of the drivers don't like them. And a lot of longtime <laughs> fans would rather just watch practice. Yeah. Um, but for me, I'm I'm Allen Iverson on this one. Like, why are we ta- <laughs> we're talking about practice? Have you watched practice? We're talking about. Pra- I've watched I've watched some of the the session two they show on TV, and I've watched a little bit of throwing on like on uh, through TSN. Mm-hmm. You just watch a little bit of onboard or something, and like you know sometimes in session one, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't pay too much attention, right? And I thought that with the sprint that was last week, right? Yeah. That also had the Austria. advantage of, like, the teams didn't know as much going into the race. Like, they hadn't had as much, like, practice time. So there was a little bit of doubt about how things would work out. And I thought that, like, mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Like, three practice sessions, See, I, I, I like the sprint races too, but I want I want the three practice sessions. I think because you didn't have so much, the drivers didn't have so much knowledge, I think that's why you saw some drivers peter off a little bit Does too. Does the double qualifying seem to be like why, like maybe they don't need the double qualifying? And that's where I, I, I don't like the double, I don't like the shootout. I mean, I like the idea of the shootout, but I don't like how the shootout is done. Uh, but shootout is the sprint thing. So like it's very, very quick, short, short qualifying. But to me, I think you could just do it at the end of free practice. You know, you, if you move the sprint day to Friday and you have at the end of FP2, you had a shootout of get, get soft tires, run two laps, fastest lap, that's the grid order. Then you do the sprint right away. It's all on the Friday. And then that way you can have, it's a long Friday session, but oh, you have. sprint on Saturdays. So you know, I, I think qualifying should be sprint. Because cause with, with qualifying, after qualifying, you can test, you can do. Right. You can set the car up a bit differently. You can do, you can change some settings. You can do some tweaks and turns that you can't do with the sprint races. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very key thing where I think that sprint races don't necessarily lead to good Grand Prix races, race days. But I think that it's still, it's a, it's a really big spectacle and it's a lot of fun. I love racing. I want to see the cars go as fast as they can all the time. Right. And anytime that this could, there could be a crash whoop-de-doo for me so last year they used the sprint positions in the race and did you feel that made the sprint race boring 
because they were more cautious than they might normally be. Yeah, like in a way, yes. I think that it took away that some of the incentive to want to race because it cost so much if you messed up in the Grand Prix. I think that it's getting better. I like the idea of having it being a little bit separate, but still counts. I think it Same, needs to yeah. somewhat count. It needs to count to something. Right. I think just driver points is just driver points. I right. wish there was something that would really change See, up. I didn't have a problem with. So last year it was session one. Yeah, it was FP qualifying. It was FP one, FP two qualifying, and then it was. But when when it, when when they did just the two qualifying sessions and a sprint race, what did what what order did they go in? It was Friday. It was FP one, FP two qualifying, and then I think it was. Uh, I I think I can't remember this because I feel like there was some weird like they did a qualifying and then a. Sprint, yeah, and, and then, then uh, and then the and sprint then, like, would be, yeah, su- would determine sprint Sundays. would be Saturday, and then that would determine Sunday. But yeah, I I didn't have a problem with that. But if if the racing isn't good in the sprint because everyone's being cautious, then maybe it makes sense there. But to me, it's like, why can't you just have one? Why can't you have one qualifying that sets your spot for both the sprint race and? Which is what essentially... Oh, no, it isn't. No, because right now they're doing two different qualifying. But just, you know... But I think... Maybe that's too punishing. But I think that's... I think think that kind of leads into the root of what we've been talking about, though, is that that is, in my opinion, the glamification of it. It's creating a separate event with... It's essentially creating an entire race weekend in one single day. And do you really need that as the sport? Absolutely not. Let's get another trophy in there. You know the the one thing that that's European soccer happen, does actually. is like yeah let's get a sprint trophy yeah that's probably going to happen and next get, season cut the take the points out of the main race and have a cut the, you mean cut the points down no 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 points and you know like you can switch it around I mean <laughs> so I, the points on the points on the sprint, the points but... on the sprint race don't ca- only count for the sprint cup yeah okay so then and then just what what does the sprint cup do though. I don't know. Put it's some just, money on it. <laughs> it's just a betting factory. See, I don't. See, that's the thing. I don't want to have Bet Three Six Five come into F One at all. I'm like one hundred percent against any sort of sports betting apps coming it's into this been sport. So bad in other sports. So oh, keep it's it out. Been so great. You know what I mean? I just. I mean, if it means that Max Verstappen bets on himself and loses, and then has to like then sit out like seven Grand Prix off of a penalty because he is he's illegally betting. They on would himself. just give Perfect. him ten percent less wind tunnel time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Not even. Not even that. Just a slap on the wrist. Slap, yeah. Take us out with a yeah. with ginger anyway, spice. No, I think the. I mean, I I just I like the I like the racing, right? So mm-hmm. it's when I when I've tuned in, I forgot it was a sprint race, and so I was like, oh, I'll watch a little bit of qualifying, and I was like, oh, it's actually or a little bit of a practice session. I was actually qualifying. I was like, this is this is great, right? I'm I'm excited. Mm-hmm. So I don't need three practice sessions, but the teams like it, I guess sometimes and. Um, you know, I, I, I like the I like the practice. I love the mind games. I love the like. I just love hearing the cars go around and around. I fall asleep to it sometimes. I wake up early to watch this practice to fall asleep. Is <laughs> is is rhythmic. It's is methodical. It's really nice. But like, 
yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I think I think it's just like the sprints. We we talk about a lot about this a lot. I'm the only one in the uh, in the show. I'm the only one that's actually like actively for sprint races. Okay. Uh, Marianne doesn't like it. Walter doesn't like it uh, for t- completely good I, reasons, in I my understand. opinion. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just I like I just like I like cars going fast and and I, but I just don't. It's always a tricky thing. But and I think that's the problem. Is like is it is that the the growth of the sport so big? We need more spectacles to draw more people in so that know. all this I stuff. Mean, like NBA is doing mid-season mini tournament. I mean, I love that the leagues are trying out different things, mm-hmm. right? Like why, you know, like I, I feel like some of the sports, hockey in particular, is just so attached to the past that they, you know, they won't make the changes that would make the sport more entertaining or for, you know, for bad reasons, they they don't, you know, but they're willing to play around with things and try it out. NBA, they're willing to try things out. But is that like make the sport better because is, is the changes a new is a new age thing or is not just conforming to what the tradition of the sport playing the sport to to the, the extent of like pure sportsmanship and everything like that kind of everything that it comes is that is that not better in itself, though? I I mean, like there's if you've got really long seasons and a lot of like games that are like meaningless and. I mean, you've got all these NBA teams that are, you know, basically resting their players in the middle of the season. So, like, yeah, you start looking, you're like, something needs to change. Let's try to, to you know, do this in-season look, tournament. Look for so, some other ways to create, mm-hmm. right? So like, would you want the sprint race in F1? I mean, because it's, it's it's tough to compare. It's really tough to compare league, oh, like different sure. sports to, to like But to we can compare basically, like, how do you decide who is the best in your sport? Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, you'll have various point systems for that. In some cases, it doesn't matter what the point system is. Max is clearly going to dominate, <laughs> dominate here this year. But in other cases, right, like in some sports, maybe it makes a big difference if Premier Leagues are uh, giving three points for a win versus two points for a win. Mm-hmm. Right. They give three points for a win because they want to encourage teams not to play for a draw. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, speaking of points, you didn't. Uh, we're going to wrap up here pretty soon, but you did tell me once before in passing that you think that there should be more points into the other, into the other, uh, <laughs> into the into the lower below ten. Right. And I immediately shot the idea down. Yeah, you don't like the idea, and I don't think. I mean, I think that it doesn't. Um, to me, it's not about you know diluting the achievement. It's about if a if a person is regularly finishing. 19th versus regularly finishing 12th do the standings reflect that right and so it's a it's just a question to me of of measuring and especially with a time right. where, where all the cars are so close together right now right and so that was when who was it that had like three 11ths in a row oh I f- like this year I f- yeah somebody this? had like three 11th place finishes in a row i should know um, i should know this but <laughs> i i don't know you might trivia quite i don't know. yeah uh, F one, yeah. Tune in, text us your answers, or like, like comment on the, our next post or something. Yeah, like, let tweet us. us let us know what who. What's who the came record in. for most eleventh place? Yeah, finishes. most eleventh place, most consecutive eleventh place finishes. I know uh, the most consecutive last place finishes are is Nicholas Latifi. Oh, but what? <laughs> but, good, good Canadian but, representation. There we go. Oh, perfect. Real, <laughs> real stellar there. I you watch know it what? be Yuki Sonoda. Watch it be. Oh, Yuki. I think it might have been. Is, oh, I'm in Saudi. Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, number eleven, um, Australia. No, he was tenth in Australia. He is 
Tenth in the, in Azerbaijan, Miami. Number eleven. He's he's that's three number elevens in in, in yeah. a row. So I mean, he's a guy who's had like a, a you know, a, not a great car and getting was you know pulling out some some results, but you look in the point standings and it doesn't right? reflect that. It doesn't reflect that. So to me, the point system is not about the points themselves. It's about reflecting what you want. Now you could only give points for first place or for the top three places and i honestly don't think it would change how teams raced i mean maybe there'd be some more like there'd be more like taking chances perhaps um but like you have to think about what the point system you arrange does and so i think a lot of this for hockey so the nhl gives out a point for going to extra time so if you go to overtime you get a you're guaranteed a point and you only get two points for a win right so in a game that goes to overtime there's three points given out mm-hmm. and you're like it doesn't matter but what it does is it means that the last 10 minutes of a third period of a regular season game both teams play very cautiously mm-hmm. right? specifically overtime you get a point if you lose, if you overtime. lose, even if you lose, you get yeah, a point. Yeah, exactly. So you're guaranteed. But you don't a point. get you don't get three points. Just to clarify, for, for points, people who don't know, yeah. right? There's three total points given out. But for both overtime. points, yeah. both teams are then, if you look at game theory, are then motivated to get to overtime. Yeah. Right. And so teams play very conservatively and cautiously. So you don't want a system that's going to encourage, like, if adding extra points places meant that teams are more conservative driving and didn't take risks and were just like then then i think that's a possible reason why you would want to avoid that so that's to me what would happen i feel like you would you would inflate so much in your top three positions which are already really heavily inflated for points that you would then just p11 through 12 you would like essentially p4 p5 through uh sorry p6 7 8 9 10 11 12 you would just it's just a way of distinguishing the teams at the bottom Right. So mm-hmm. it would just be a way. But, you know, like right now, um, what how do we evaluate like Haas versus Williams or laughter? <laughs> which, which ones? Which ones? Are, <laughs> right. Oh, well, which I, th- ones, I think how do we evaluate like which ones are having good seasons? Are they, have you know, and you I can, think it's pretty. I th- but I think that's the thing, because like, good seasons would mean that ha- Williams is getting into the points better than Haas. And that's what's happening. You've yeah. seen teams are developing so much about F1 is not necessarily about scoring points. It's so much of it is about the team developing and, and developing right. and, and, and pushing what they have to something better. And that's something that you start to see problems with Haas because, you know, they're all discount parts and, disc- and discount drivers. Everything everything about them is a bargain. Is, I shouldn't say discount. Sure. It's just the bargain bin, right? And Williams has been like that for a very long time too, and they've always been trying. But you're starting to see these massive efforts and restructuring that Williams is doing starting to pay its dividends off with more points. They're, they're currently tied with Haas in the Constructors' Championship with, with 11 points. But how many of those 11 points has been the last – most of those 11 points has been Albert in the last three races right. alone when the upgrades have kicked in, yeah. whereas Haas hasn't done anything. Right. right. But are we confident that the point system is reflecting what those two teams are doing? That would be my only sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So you you can try this yourself 
Oh yes. Right. Like you can go here, and here's can, the teacher, and you no, no. I mean, you can go and sort of say like, what would it look like, like if we gave? And I think there are. You can go find online. You don't have to do it yourself. How about that? No, no. I'll probably. Look, I will do this. You can go go look online and sort of see like what are some alternative point sort of systems, and it's not going to shape. Uh, it's not going to change the top five at all. Mm-hmm. It's not going to affect them in any way. It's going to affect the lower end with distinguishing some of those teams that have been able to consistently get 11s and 12s versus a team that in a certain track can get a sneak in an eight. Yeah. What about putting like best a point for most or best or most overtakes or driver of the day and that? Because I feel like that's, that's the easiest way to, to add more points in to, to incentivize drivers to race more. But I think that I still think at the end of the day, just, just taking making giving points that aren't just you being the absolute best according to the stop clock this the stopwatch sorry it kind of takes away the sport of racing and i think that's the biggest problem that i'm having so much is that at some point you are just not you personally but i think that's one if you adding all these things in you're taking away the core the, the core value of the sport right. which is being the best and undeniably the best because of what the, the time is saying. Yeah. And I, I I think that, yeah, I think if you added something in like overtakes, then I think that would be a problem. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to give the, have the overtake cup at the end of the, <laughs> at the end of the year, but this, it's, it's silly because right, like you get an overtake for passing a stopped car, but obviously, you know, that's only if you're already, ahead of you know if you're if you're behind them so like why are you getting rewarded Mm -hmm. you're getting an overtake for that like so how are you going to count only racing overtakes then or what like yeah right you know yeah it's unfortunate because we we just hit that time we hit the time window we have to start saying we have to wrap this we have to wrap the show on that bomb on that but you've given me a lot to think about on what we do i think you gotta come back again you got you should come back, come back soon again. very soon you'll, you'll have to come back on because we'll, we'll talk we'll talk more about this i'll do some research on those on those point spreading because i also do want to see these back if you find them if you see them send them my way uh, I'll I, take we'd, a look. Yeah. we'd love to see how this could change out the, the championship and see what happens with this stuff because i think so much so much of this is, is relatable because of you know what you said earlier in the show how do you watch a sport that's if the champ the same championship is going to champion is going to be the determined for until the 20 2026 and i think so much of what we're seeing in f1 with the drs zone changes and all this stuff is to build up for new regulations in 26 so maybe we'll start to see some things kind of pan uh, not so much pan out but start to see changes and things that will radically change how the core of the sport is and that so 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 come back ron oh hope you enjoyed your time yeah i had a great time yeah thanks very much i want to talk more when you get next time i want to you definitely have to come back uh when we do it next season so we can learn what you think about watching a, a race a season from start start to finish and then the drive to survive from that season and especially especially because you watched all of 2021 yes as a season right yeah I want to. You need to come back on when you finish watching season four, Drive to Survive. I did. I did watch season four. Okay. Well, then we're going to have an yeah, episode yeah, we'll about season four, Drive to Survive, because yeah, yeah. that was the one. That was that the compl- one completely ruined it for me. Okay. 
Yeah. I didn't watch the last episode until for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're gonna we're gonna come on. You're gonna come back on soon, and we're gonna talk about that that season of Drive Survive and season in, in 20, of 2021. Excellent. Uh, yeah. But anyways, that is it for us today on the F World. You can always find us on Spotify just by googling, but just by I always say googling, but re- but search in the search bar of the F World, and you'll see see it. The F World hosted by Taryn Benzin and Mary Andrewtier. You can also find us obviously on Twitter, the F World underscore uh, pod on Twitter, which you follow now. You do follow us. I think I think you do follow me now. Uh, the F World and on uh, Instagram, the F World dot pod on Instagram. Also, the F World dot pod is at gmail.com is our email. Free, feel free to email us out. Tell us what you think of the show. Tell us how you want to be involved or uh, give us some comments, tips, and that stuff, and we can maybe argue. Another place to argue it would be the Discord. We do have one, surprisingly. Actually, not surprisingly. We are created. It's actually kind of fun. Uh, and that is just the F World, uh, the F World podcast on Discord. Send us an invite to join in. We always want more people. Um, again, can't say it enough. Great to have you. It's been a long time coming. I've been taking took some time to convince you to get on, but glad you were. Going to have more of you on, Ron. So, uh, yeah, for all of us here, um, we just want to bid. We always bid uh, a special someone to our homie in Belgium. Still picking up the episodes right when they drop on Tuesday mornings after, after uh, on the Spotify. Still listening in. Thank you so much. You and all the listeners, we love you all. Yours in racing.